What is it you want, Mary? What do you want? You, you want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it and pull it down. It's Manson Mitchell on the weekend with Gary Manson, Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to power up your day. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Hi, everybody. Happy weekend to you, wherever you may be. I'm Gary Mans. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. And together we're Manson Mitchell in your ears for the hour. It's holiday time. Perfect day to talk about Christmas and other holiday-themed movies and TV shows. That's our theme today. And Suzanne, we're delighted to have the opportunity. I understand it's the ninth time we're getting into the stratosphere with Joey Medea. This is great oh, news. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But first... Let's say hello to tall guy, Nathan. Nathan Miller at the board. He's our producer. How are you doing? Are you ready for Christmas? Yes, I am. Just counting down the days. And good morning slash afternoon to you, Gary slash Suzanne. Well, (laughs) thank you, Slash. We appreciate it. Hashtag Merry Christmas. Now, you've got, don't you have someone new to buy for? I mean, you're you're kind of an uncle situation. Yeah, this is the first time I've ever doing that. So I was just kind of thinking, okay, what's something that's, I'm always a longevity person. And how do I get something that's longevity for somebody who's going to grow out of it in probably one (laughs) month? So, yeah, right. And of course, I'm talking about my firstborn niece uh, who's going to be yes. turning one yep. pretty soon. Wow. And we're celebrating her first Christmas, Genevieve. Genevieve. Lovely. Beautiful name. Uh, Nathan, have you already picked out what you're sending Genevieve? I'm still thinking about it. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, are, still got are, time. You up, are you up for an opinion from Florida? Sure. Let me have like, it. Like the okay. world needs that. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I'm going to suggest, because you were talking about longevity, I like the idea of sending her so, the same thing annually that she will have when she's an adult, like a special Christmas ornaments, Ooh. maybe with her name on them or the year or something. So that it's a it's every year you get the same thing and they can expect it and put it on the tree and then the tree would be filled with all of her ornaments and then when she's an adult she gets them all. And part of the reason why I'm waiting so long or it's taking me such a long time is because when I'm actually flying out to visit them it's going to be sort of like a hybrid Christmas and birthday visit Ah. because she turns one on February 1st so I'll be flying out like mid late January. Nice. And that's nice. when I'll be seeing them for the holidays and her first birthday. Well, you know, her first birthday, you can get her a onesie or a whatever that is. But but I like for the holidays, I think something that you can you can do repeatedly, you mm. know, year after year, that uh, some idea of yours or mine that uh, that you think is a good idea so that, you you know, that she's getting something that will accumulate from her uncle over the years. That's a great idea. I'll keep that in mind. Okay. And I hope she's not listening so she doesn't spoil the surprise. <laughs> and a salute to my favorite people at Christmas time, department store gift wrappers. There you go. They made me look good or saved yes, my bacon many a time. Yes, those department store wrappers really did make you look good. Katie. And they'll collect money for doing this out in the malls. Malls, who shops there anymore? Go to malls and they would donate it to a local church or a bigger charity. Whatnot. It's just it's a lovely time of year in the spirit of Christmas, 
Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, you name it. We have been looking forward to this morning's show for weeks now, just anticipating talking about movies. And we're going to talk with about movies with somebody who knows something about movies. It's yet another specialty coming from Joey Medea. Renaissance man. I don't even know how he stretches time to do all the things he does. It's exhausting just reading his curriculum vitae. So let's do it this way. Brief version. We'll give you the briefest version. Joey Medea, when he is not investigating strange phenomena, is an award-winning screenwriter, audio dramatist, playwright, novelist, actor, and director. Turns out he's also an aficionado of holiday movies. This is fantastic. And so we welcome for the ninth time, Joey Medea. Joey, how are you today, sir? I am honored to be here as always, and happy holidays to you and to all of your listeners. I was saying to you, Joey, just right before we came on air, is part of my looking forward to today is I figured we would have Boy, at least a dozen movies that we could talk about in an hour. How would we get them all in? And when Gary and I started doing our research on holiday movies, OMG. I mean, there are like 80 or 100 holiday movies out there. And so I think we're going to have to put them into chunks. Mm -hmm. How were you thinking about getting to today's topic of holiday movies? What was on your mind about it? I suppose if you were going to do... Okay, so there's there's two kinds of stories that we can tell. We can tell Boy Meets Girl, and we can tell Stranger in a Strange Land, or Fish Out of Water. Um, but the major prevailing themes to me in holiday movies are really three. One is a traveling home for the holidays. So individuals who live very independent lives coming back home to the family that they've quote-unquote escaped or dread. Um, one of our favorite movies for Thanksgiving is Home for the Holidays with um, with Robert Downey Jr. The second one are redemption movies. So, of course, Christmas Carol and anything that's like that in the many, many iterations. Someone who gets into the spirit and is therefore transformed. Um, I guess those are really the two big ones, family. Oh, and you know what I've really found? And and the ones that are on my list really check these boxes. It's a dad who has figured out professional life and is a mess in his personal life. And Christmas raises the stakes for him to rise to. Uh, those are, to me, the three big sort of themes. And then if you get into the hallmarky stuff, then it's, you know, falling in love under the Christmas lights in the mistletoe. So four. <laughs> All right. Yes. Well, that's right. All the standard elements, the Hallmark Channel. I mean, God bless them. They're a very successful network. And at the same time, they're like, well, if you want schmaltz, you go to Hallmark. <laughs> yeah. Just like with the yeah. cards. I know somebody who watches Hallmark exclusively. Really? I, I know a woman. And she is a hundred years old, and that is the only channel that she watches. It it just lifts her spirits every single day. She's not yeah. into the news. What what could what could go wrong with watching the news? I'll tell you. When I was thinking about this today, Joey, I was thinking of it, and I didn't I didn't write it down. These were only these were floating thoughts. But one of my thoughts was the older movies. You know, the mm-hmm. movies from thirties, forties, fifties. The older, you know, the classic older movies. I was thinking about the animated 
um, cartoons and movies, claymation mm-hmm. and and uh, animation. Uh, I was thinking about the hallmarks, like a- anything that would be really, really current. And then I was thinking about the ones that, that are kind of in between there that have gained traction and popularity. Because although I have a list now that includes about 80 movies, um, when I want to watch a holiday movie, it really comes down to like three or four, yeah. you know, just my favorites. Right. So that's that's how I was kind of picturing um, today. But let's yeah. let's just dive into some. I mean, whether we're yeah. looking at your framework or my framework, let's let's talk about, you know, what is it? What are the popular ones? What are the ones uh, that you like? What what do right. you think? What do you think symbolizes Christmas? Well, let's start. Let's start with the classics, like you said. And for me, there's two. There's It's a Wonderful Life and there's White Christmas. So White Christmas has the big spectacle. It's Irving Berlin. It's Danny Kaye. And it's Bing Crosby. It's Rosemary Clooney. The dancing is phenomenal. The sets are giant. It's set in the backdrop of World War II, so it really honors the greatest generation. Um, but then you have It's a Wonderful Life. So you have the Frank Capra sensibilities of this one man who gave everything for others that he didn't keep anything for himself and he got confused about scale, right? So so as I was preparing for today, I was really thinking about It's a Wonderful Life. And um, George, his big thing is he doesn't realize that a hundred little acts equal one big act and in some ways surpass it if you're talking about um roi return on investment right or if you touch 10 people they go out and touch another 10 people he talks about you know i want to build bridges you know a mile long and i want to build skyscrapers 100 stories high um so so what are your guys's favorite classics do you like those two movies uh, we definitely do, but uh, just a point of order here. This is yeah. great, Joey. I want to build bridges. I want to build skyscrapers. Why would that be of interest to a character played by Jimmy Stewart? Wow. Hmm. Well, Jimmy himself was larger than life. He was tall and he was broad and his, you know, he was political before actors really got political. He was head of his time and he was a big thinker. So he also says, I'm going to shake the dust off this crummy little town um which isn't it's a beautiful quintessential america right and isn't that a theme that goes back to that larger meta theme that i was talking about you return home to your small town and you realize that it holds the roots of everything you are you know and you can either see yourself as tethered in a negative way or in a positive way but small town people have very very big dreams oftentimes um, yes, and I do. think that's what it is. It's that. And one other thing, Jimmy Stewart originally aspired to be an architect when he attended Princeton. Oh, it was a bit of a trick question, Gary. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you got me. There won't be a tense time on the show. No, um, that no, was my double the context of everything you're going to say. There are people yeah. living in small towns with big city dreams. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I have loved to... Um, in my career, 
it's this is a great example i think i chose to stay in small towns where i could impact the community you can always get on a plane and go to new york or go to la and in the year coming up i'm going to be doing that a ton but i'm going to be living in a tiny little town on the ohio river in kentucky um because i love that energy of the small town and i get super super lost you know in the big city so that really yeah. resonates me with yeah. me yeah when you were talking about the classics, I, I don't have all of them, but I have a few more to add yeah. on the classics. Miracle on 34th Street would be one of your classics. And it happened on Fifth Avenue, along with Babes in Toyland. So, so, so there's several more classics. And there is one which is uh, cinematically themed as more of a classic, even though it was uh, filmed uh, more recently than the 1940s or 50s. And that's a, a Christmas story oh, with, yeah. Ra- with Ralphie. Yeah. And, and I can't, is the setting in the 40s for that? I'm trying to remember. I think it's, it's the 40s. Yes. And Tanya and I were watching the um, sequel the other night, A Christmas Story oh. Christmas. Uh, where they revisit them 30 something years later and they're all grown up and and um but that aside yeah it takes place in the 40s and boy darren mcgavin is just boy he's spectacular in that movie he's like everybody's dad you're darn right he is i think it would have been now this to me is still a rumor it might be substantiated there by others but I couldn't have enjoyed that movie. And it is my favorite all-time Christmas movie. I'm glad you brought it up. That's number mm-hmm. one with me. And It's a Wonderful Life is second. But uh, that said, that movie reportedly, the role of the father was originally offered or envisioned as belonging to Jack Nicholson. And I'm like, it just wouldn't have been the same. It would have been a Jack Nicholson movie. Yeah. And it is, well... Wow, that's interesting. I didn't know that. And I've read several biographies of Jack Nicholson. That's interesting. But to, it was with Bob switch. Clark. Yeah, Bob Clark was thinking of him. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, I, I just can't even imagine Jack Nicholson going, Frigile. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It would have it's, a dark. It's a major to award, it. Swede. Don't bother me. Can't you tell I'm thinking? <laughs> There, that, but no, Darren McGavin, just perfect. I hope he appreciated how well he nailed that role. I'm confident that he did. And he was missed. He was missed in the sequel and he was there. I mean, they had no choice but to have him hover over it like a specter. Um, I think it's a very apt way to put it. Christmas and ghosts go together. You bet. Christmas and ghosts. Where have we heard that before? <laughs> you know, when you when you talk about a Christmas carol, I can't imagine another movie that has been remade as many times as a Christmas carol, including Mickey Mouse. I mean, right. it was an animated version, probably many animated versions and many movie versions of A Christmas Carol. I was in a play. I was the ghost of Christmas present back when I was a, a pre-teen at the, uh, at the, the, the uh, what am I trying to say? The little theater, little, little homespun theater. And, yeah. uh, and so there's, there's a movie 
I don't know if that always rates among people's favorites, but I know it's been done and done and done. And I don't think you could find another movie that's been remade as much as A Christmas Carol has. I would I would go for that. And anything that is, say, like maybe a Dracula or something like that is 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 probably pretty pretty close but you know charles dickens was a very smart guy not only was he very social minded so he had a passion that just resonates and electrifies that story but it's got a great it it really follows the hero's journey right so scrooge is stuck in this ordinary world of darkness and bitterness and regret over his lost love and you know so hooked into materialism but he answers this call when the ghosts come calling First, he refuses it, then he does. He goes through this initiation in three parts, and he returns a changed man to tell the story of the goodwill of Christmas. So it is an air time. I mean, that is the oldest, the three-act model in the hero's journey that I just had, separation, initiation, return. That is the standard for Hollywood. That is that is ho- That is storytelling going all the way back. So we had that. And second of all, and Tanya and I did a, sh- uh, a show on this a couple years ago on our show around Christmas time. Ghost stories and the English just go hand in hand at Christmas time. Yes. There's yes. scads of them. So he had, he just had this beautiful formula that works so beautifully. And it's so simple and it's like Shakespeare. So one of my favorite all time movies is Scrooged with Bill oh, Murray. I Here wrote that down. I was going to say that. Next, yeah. Joey. You, now you I don't need. Anticipated I me. can take the rest of the hour off. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? You're not. You're not really supposed to talk about Bill Murray right now. He's in a lot of trouble with culture. Let's call it. Um, okay. But it's a wonderful classic. It, it, it goes right into the update. He's surrounded by a great cast of characters. Yes. I mean, Buster Buster Poindexter as the Ghost of Christmas Past is phenomenal, right? And yes. you got Carol Kane as oh, the Carol Ghost of Christmas Present. Yep, yep. I, I that is of all the versions involving Scrooge, that would be my favorite. Yeah, I think so too. And then just to go back to Christmas Carol, another classic I think you have to put on the list, and a lot of people swear by it, is a Alistair Sim, right? In in one of the first screen adaptations of Christmas Carol. But I love George C. Scott and Patrick Stewart. Those are my two favorite. Um, and then Michael Caine in the Muppets Christmas Carol, which is beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah, I wrote I wrote down Muppets. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> From Mickey Mouse to Muppets. I to, saw yeah. the Muppets Christmas Carol movie in Hawaii. I'll, I'll never forget Kailua, Hawaii at a mall theater. One of those you just go to and the screens are smaller, but you know, it's convenient. And I was on vacation there at, at that time and watched it. And I just thought it was great. And people say, you're in Hawaii and you're going to go watch this movie. Yeah, yeah we didn't have any anything else on the schedule for that afternoon. So we went and saw the matinee of this picture. And I'm so glad we did. I thought it was loving and gentle and still hilarious at times. Yeah. Oh yeah. It hits all the beats. It plays all the notes. Um, Bill Murray's is he's much of it's Christmas Carol. You're talking about, I'm sorry. Right. We moved on. Um, Michael Caine. It is one of my favorite things that he's ever done. I would arguably say best Scrooge of all time, Michael Caine. He would be right up there with Albert Finney. Yes. And you're talking about acting royalty from the British Isles there. I mean, they both of those guys could really reach a high standard. Yeah. 
Oh, that is a great point. So it is a character for years. Um, I did it as street theater. So I would put a cast together. We would do it as readers theater and we did it on streets. Oh, in several states around Christmas time, sometimes during a parade, which was very, very, very interesting. And I always played Scrooge. And there's something about the challenge of the transformation, right? Charles Dickens says the laugh comes through like it's from rusty pipes or he's forgotten how to laugh. And that moment is so important. Um, Patrick Stewart nails it. He's the king of that. But it's just for actors. It's a it's an awesome role. It definitely is. I'm going to duck one in here that's just I don't think it's on the list. And I believe it's derivative of the Scrooge narrative. It just came to me while you folks were talking, and that is a, a Nicolas Cage film called The Family Man. Yes. And the, the unraveling of his life and the, the salvation of it, the recovery of himself is pivotal on Christmas Day, as the story is yes. told. And I have to tell you, Joey, I think the studio must have thought a lot of the project, of the script, of the actors, because the running time is 125 minutes. You don't get just over two hours of film time and all the celluloid involved, all of the work, all of the people, if the studio doesn't believe in what you're doing. No, not at all. I can tell you that anytime that I have a contract for a screenplay, it's 120 pages and it's going to get chopped down from there. You know, 140 to 145 is the sweet spot. Now, big epics, no, but for a small quote unquote family movie, yeah, anything over two hours you pay attention to. Um, so that's a great point. There's another film, uh, a colleague of mine I love dearly. His name is Larry. He's listening today. <clears throat> He turned me on to another movie like Family Man. It's called Fa Fallen Angel with Gary Sinise. Is that on your list, Suzanne? It is not. You, you it's a Hallmark up, movie. Yeah, yeah. Fallen yeah, Angel. big successful guy who has to, you know, things fall away hmm. to make room for something new. Well, it just shows you that you can't uh, you can't get in trouble for stealing a title because Fallen Angel is one of the great noir films, as a matter of fact. And um, yeah, Dana Andrews, et cetera, et cetera. They're uh, really wonderful stuff as well. Nothing to do with Christmas, though. So we'll carry, I digress. We'll carry on. So much of this to talk about. And it here's a question I wanted to ask you, Joy. I wanted to make sure to ask you. What defines a Christmas movie when you can have debates? And it seems like annually this is a conversation that seems a bit controversial if you're an aficionado. Die Hard has been called a Christmas movie. Well, if you have something happening around Christmas, there's a scene uh, at Christmas time. Does that really brand it as a Christmas movie? In other words, what are the criteria for a holiday film? Right. I, I don't want your producers to watch your numbers start to fall, but I I don't think that's it. I, I think that sometimes movies take place. It's the spirit of Christmas, this is what I'm going to say. And again, this is this is one guy. And just because I'm a storyteller, I don't think put more more weight on it. But if the core ideas of Christmas, if if the spirit of giving the move from materialism to spirit, right, which is the Grinch um, in all its glory. If that is at the heart of it, then I think it's a Christmas movie. But I'm going to take it out here and I'm going to quote 
uh, Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis said, Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. It's a Bruce Willis movie. <laughs> and they think <laughs> that that's pretty cool. I mean, that's what it is. I mean, we have Violet Night now with David Barber, and I love oh. David Barber. Um, but Santa Claus is sort of a commando. I don't know. That's not the spirit of what, you know, there isn't a move from materialism to spirit. Um, and that to me is the criteria, right? Because, um, you know, Bruce Willis's character kind of gets back with his ex-wife, but then she's never in, I don't think, any of the rest of the movies. So it doesn't have that big redemption. It doesn't have the big, like he's... He, you know, he's a New York City or he's a cop and there's not this big redemption. Right. And that's the thing to me that that's the thing. Does it meet the reconnection with family? No, there's no kids. There's no rising to the occasion within the world of Christmas. And that's what I look for in a Christmas movie. But that said, with my son, I watch it every year because he wants to. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to throw some other movie titles at you that I believe might be in the same category with Die Hard. And you can okay. give me a yes or a no. Okay. okay. Trading Places. Wow. <laughs> no. No, it's not Christmas. No. And it's set at Christmas time, but it's not yeah. about Christmas. No. Even though uh, it, it's all about, you know, um, Meet Me in St. Louis. Meet me in St. No, Louis. that's no. I watch that other times of the year. No, now that's interesting because that yeah. produced the Judy Garland standard. Yeah, right. oh yeah, and that's great. But I don't watch the Wizard of Oz. It, you know, <laughs> you know, right. and that I watch shows that up at Easter. Thank you for taking my other point, which oh, is sorry. I know it's. I'm glad you did. I'm very <laughs> glad you did. The Wizard of Oz. When I see it at Christmas time, isn't it strange that I would feel resentful? I'm going. That's a springtime. Ishtar Easter movie yeah. about enlightenment and a new light, the springing forth of a new light in color, no less. That's not Christmas. Yeah, no, I, I, I think of Wizard of Oz not as an Easter movie, obviously, because you have a very bevy of beautiful Hollywood classics, right, that you can watch at Easter time. But, but I do. It is a springtime movie. That's right, Gary. Not necessarily an Easter movie, but around Easter is right. where we watch Wizard of Oz. Um, because that's Alice in Wonderland, really, the Wizard of Oz. Yes. You know, she has to be the stranger in a strange land so that she can grow up, get her priorities in order. Oh, another character who wants to shake the dust off this crummy little town and goes <laughs> back. You know, there. that's how these themes, you know, that's how these themes emerge. Um, so, so, yeah, we're probably making enemies here, but meet me in St. Louis, no. Uh, uh, how about Edward Scissorhands? Oh, no, no. Okay. Because, I mean, that's pretty much in the flashback, right? Up in the castle, I think, with the snow. And then it's all Technicolor cookie cutter. <laughs> Love Actually. Yes. That's a Christmas movie. That's on my... Okay, okay so right. people are people are probably yelling foul here. But it takes place at Christmas time. And for me, it meets the, all of the criteria. At Gremlins. Mm, Gremlins, no. No, okay. Gremlins well, is a comedy sci-fi, comedy horror. Yeah. Well, that those are, when I when I wrote down Die Hard, I wrote these other things mm -hmm. down. Trading Places, Meet Me in St. Louis, Gremlins, Edward Scissorhands. Love, actually, because it seems like 
you can have a setting at Christmas time, but is that a Christmas movie just because the setting is at Christmas? Now, you might enjoy it more at Christmas time than you would in June or July, but um, I don't think of them as Christmas movies. I do with Love Actually only because the major redemption family stranger in a strange land and the spirit of christmas rising above our petty hookins um so that's why i always watch it at christmas but to tell you the truth i watch it twice a year so i'll also watch it in the summer i just adore it i absolutely right. adore it it's in my top 10 all-time christmas and in your description of that you also checked a lot of the boxes for criteria Yes. Of a successful holiday film. You just indicated those themes. Right. And some sometimes one aspect is stronger than the others, or sometimes mm -hmm. they come together beautifully as a blend. But yes, yeah. those are the criteria. Yeah. Well said. And, okay. and as for Edward Scissorhands, I'm chuckling over here because I don't know about this tenuous connection to Christmas. I whatever I think of Edward Scissorhands, beyond the genius of Johnny Depp there and uh, Tim Burton. I also think of that Seinfeld episode where this Edward Scissorhands was so important, so moving to this barber. And I think it was his dad who was also a barber, thought it was ridiculous. He goes, how's he going to use it in the toilet? <laughs> Very carefully. Gary, <laughs> yeah. let's take a break. We need one. We Listeners need, need one. We're going to have a whole bunch more movies after the break. Different genres. Oh, we're getting into the Christmas weeds. This is a lot of fun. Yep. Joey Medea, our guest, will be back very shortly. Give us a couple of minutes. We're Manson Mitchell, and you're listening to AM 1150 Seattle. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures detailed in each magazine with all your itinerary. We could just jump in the car with your family and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash Mitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world-famed, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is ManceAndMitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty, yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com. 
I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. We're a couple of baby boomers who bring you a talk radio mix of metaphysics and music, politics, and pop culture. And you never know which celebrity will join us for an interesting conversation. Mance and Mitchell is Boomer HQ, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on 1150 AM KKNW. Your home for alternative talk in Seattle and Western Washington. Talk radio with a purpose. Alternative Talk 1150. <laughs> Welcome back to Manson Mitchell. We are having fun today talking about Christmas movies with Joey Medea. Now, now I'm going to flip-flop what I just said on the break. We're going to do animateds next. Animateds. Uh, Christmas, uh, every year, they're going to play The Grinch. They're going to play Charlie Brown's Christmas, Jack Frost, Rudolph uh frosty uh all those animated things and i and i suppose especially if there are children that um you're going to watch those year after year with your children you know build build up that kind of a a, a regular event with them uh until they're old enough to get into the more sophisticated movies uh, are there any, I know I loved the Grinch. And then of course, Jim Carrey made it into a movie w- with real people, but of all the animateds, you know, I can ho-hum through Frosty or Rudolph, but the Grinch I like. W- what do you think, Joey? Oh, I love the Grinch and Boris Karloff is just terrific. So to hear his voice yes. and for him doing something a little out of character he and vincent price both had you know who who uh, i believe it was his last role tim burton got him to do uh edward scissorhands to bring that back but um i love the rank and bass movies i love the music i love um help me out folks place the snowman um he's a, of of santa's coming to town i don't know uh, burl lives Oh, Burl Ives. Good. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah I yeah, almost burned you. I apologize. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, Burl Ives, that whole kind of thing. You yeah. have um, Fred Astaire. He plays yes. the mailman for one of the movies. They're wonderful. Do you know which one we've decided to stay away from and more and more people are pushing back on Rudolph? Because Santa is extremely unkind. He's extremely huh. unkind to Rudolph. He's kind of a bully. Huh. Yeah, and more and more people are kind of seeing that. Um, he really is, and the and the whole thing, the whole ostracization of of Rudolph is heavy. It's super, super heavy. And of course, there's redemption, and everybody comes around because it just happens to be a foggy night, and boy, that nose, which is a negative, turns into a positive. So in storytelling, we kind of call that Deus Ex Machina, God out of the machine. <laughs> you know, how do we redeem Rudolph? Oh. We don't have headlights yet, so let's make his nose like like a beacon. But um, I love I like, I like Charlie Brown. And, oh and, yeah, and you know why I like Charlie Brown? The music. Oh yeah. I I yes. have the CD, and the music is so great. Vince Guaraldi. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, Tanya and I have come to identify with uh, Tanya, my wife, for the listeners who might not know, uh, I should say the day after Christmas, we're celebrating our 25th wedding anniversary. Oh, nice. So it'll be a special Christmas. Thank you. Um, But we identify with Linus and and, um, Sally. 
You know oh. where they get in the box at the top of the hill? Yeah. <laughs> and they just kind of go down together. Yeah. That's yep. quintessentially <laughs> us. And <laughs> she yeah. loves that movie. So probably a couple days before Christmas, we'll watch that one. I wanted yeah. to say something else about The Grinch. It stands alone in my mind for a number of reasons, some of which you articulated, Joey. But the thing that gets me more than anything about The Grinch That Stole Christmas is this Christmas story manages to be told credibly and entertainingly with all the star power and Boris Karloff, Thurl Ravenscroft and his magnificent voice. With all of that going on, it seems as though they're telling the Christmas story in the most non-sectarian way. Absolutely. Because it's, you know, we have we have all these different, you know, um, someone very close to me who will remain nameless um, always gets upset when they say Merry Christmas and people say Happy Holidays back. But but it's beautiful that it's bigger. And you mentioned all the different expressions of of a common spirit. And that's what I kind of love about Christmas, right? When he says it didn't come with packages, ribbons, or bows. You know, I don't need any of that. I love the 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 Ron Howard, um, Jim Carrey one for a lot of reasons. But um, Cindy Lou, right? You have to have a child's belief to make any of these things work. If you're stuck in an adult mind, right? What is What is Scrooge's big driver? Tiny Tim a child right and these dads who want to make right in all these movies that i love that what you're talking about modern classics suzanne jingle all the way and deck the halls and christmas with the cranks it's always about the kids and the parents have to get in that mindset you know which has nothing to do gary with with any specific religions or that's purely secular well, it is. It is. Suzanne used to tease me when we were first going out there. It might have been our first Christmas. She was talking about having roast beast. And I go, <laughs> yeah. that, that's that kind of clever phrase, roast beast, that it, it almost it, it fades the meaning of a specific Christmas in order to appeal more generally, because we all, well, unless we're vegetarians or vegans, we will, if no other time at the holidays, we will indulge in roast beast. Yeah. Of one kind or another. And and Dr. Seuss is another guy who's in trouble, you know, with culture. But really, he created these fantastical other worlds to talk about not humans, but he was so talking about what's quintessentially human. And that's what I think makes a Christmas movie as well. The quintessential humanness, right? We dream, we're disappointed. But we all kind of pull together and we rise above because there's something bigger than us. Um, and it comes in the form of Santa, right? That's the whole miracle on 34th Street. That's the crux of that movie. And I love the remake. Uh, the remake is from, so people know, uh, the remake is from 1994. And it's with Elizabeth Perkins and Dylan McDermott, who, boy, I'm very fond of Dylan McDermott. Um but I love that. But those are the themes. It has nothing to do with what you were talking about. Like you were saying, Gary, I agree. Uh, you were uh, gave me the perfect segue into the next group that I wanted to talk about <clears throat> when you mentioned a couple of things. And mm -hmm. that is that, you know, we have those old time classics, uh, Wonderful Life and, and White Christmas. And then there was another whole set of things that were done for uh, about... 20, 25 years 
that uh, I think some will be destined to be classics like a, a Wonderful Life or White Christmas that will only we will only know over time, over the decades. Mm-hmm. But there's another s- series like um, Christmas Vacation, The Santa Claus, Jingle All the Way, Elf, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, um, just a, a bunch of like those things. Do any of those really appeal to you? Absolutely. Actually, all, all of them do. I have never resonated with Elf, cue the booze. People always look at me, they get shot. But I don't, I, I like Will Ferrell just fine. Um, I just don't like Elf. But all of the other movies you talk about, you know what, though? You talk again about Thanksgiving and Christmas. To me, train, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles is a Thanksgiving movie. We watch that every year with my son. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, Christmas Vacation. That that could be a classic in time. I think it's earned it. I think a few of them that you said have earned it. That one, a Santa Claus, you know, which spun all kinds of sequels, and then uh, now has a TV show on Disney that I'm not hearing terrific things about. Um, What? Oh, Jingle All the Way. To me, that's a classic. I don't even know if anybody watches it anymore, but that's Tanya and I's kickoff movie while we're decorating the tree every year jingle all the way one with arnold schwarzenegger one of them that i missed under the animated that i I just need to go back to for one Mm -hmm. second is polar express oh i love it i do like polar express and that is one that i will catch once a year yeah with uh, tom hanks that's a that's a great little animated movie it's wonderful. And it has another interesting theme. Like uh, Scrooge has been done many times as a one man show. And Jim Carrey has the animated Scrooge where he plays all the characters. And you have Tom Hanks who plays, I think, at least three characters in Polar Express. Yes. Three Correct. or four. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe, I really like that. I, yeah. I can't articulate it here in the hour that we have, but um, <laughs> I, I like one character, one person expressing all those different you know aspects of the central theme yeah 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 there's a commercial uh on tv right now with uh, kevin hart and katherine richardson and she's screaming kevin o'hara i'm sorry katherine o'hara and she's going kevin 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 and then uh have you lost another kevin and (laughs) and i think home alone is has a, a potential for uh, being a, a long-term kind of a Christmas movie. And it's, I think, I think it it's is. in that same kind of area, that same kind of 70s, 80s kind of a thing. 80s. Yeah, it's yeah. on my top 10 favorite, the first movie. And and really the first, that one and the sequel, really watch them together. That would be my best advice. As a matter of fact, we're going to our oldest son's house Christmas evening, uh, Christmas evening to spend the night. And we're going to watch the two Home Alone movies that night. And um, that that's there's a redemption story in that in both of them, right? You have the neighbor who doesn't talk to his family anymore, and everybody thinks he kills people and puts them in the salt can. <laughs> right, right. Um, and then you have the woman who's the pigeon lady, and they're both, you know. So those movies are very, very, very formulaic. Um, but that look at Kevin's arc. Right. So we talk about the change point for for a character that all good stories need. He doesn't want to be home. He doesn't want anything to do with his family. And then at the start of the third act, he's like, it's my home and I have to defend it. And when he says, 
when he says it's my home and I have to defend it, what he's really saying is it's the home of my family and I have to defend them. That's what's really quintessentially Christmas about it to me. That's I hadn't heard that take on it before. Yes, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I'll tell you what only makes sense if I stop to think about it. I wanted to just duck in this minor point. Decisions made about how much Christmas will be celebrated within either a franchise or a series. And I'm thinking specifically of the uh, improbable success called Schitt's Creek. There, they yeah. did six seasons in their last, after their last season, they won every award known to humanity and deservedly so. We bought the complete series and we watch it quite frequently. And I have remarked to Suzanne before how interesting it is to me, despite the fact that they filmed it in short seasons of about 13 episodes, six of them. They only featured Christmas as a theme one time mm-hmm. in that series comprised of six seasons of great comedy and great humanity and great compassion. With all of that going on, they did a Christmas show, but I was surprised, having seen the entire series, that it's the Christmas show representing the entire series. Yeah, That I didn't expect. Right. And I think that that was, you know, I think that was very smart on their point. When you think of holiday themed shows for a sitcom you immediately think of friends like they pretty much own that franchise um of the thanksgiving and then the holidays and all that and everything it came with but what's very interesting is i believe the very next project that dan levy did after he left schitt's creek schitt's creek was a christmas movie oh with Kristen stewart yeah it came out a couple years ago i think maybe i don't know if it was hallmark it was lifetime oh it's hulu it was hulu and it's a charming movie the name of it escapes me um it has all the themes it has all the tropes um it brings in um some sexual identity issues and big family secrets because it's very modern and that's very you know where his heart is uh as an ambassador but um yeah, I think that's why, Gary. I think it was very strategic. That has been just plowed through and plowed through and plowed through so many times that they wisely stayed away from it until they were ready to just tackle it whole piece, whole cloth. Gary, you wanted to mention movies that probably shouldn't have been made. I had to thank you, Suzanne. And I I, I, I wanted to get to that before the end of the hour. And as a preface, let me qualify my opinion. And I'm sure it will dilute its impact. But nevertheless, I have my own sentiments. And they include a feeling of revulsion, of being offended that a movie like Violent Night ever got green-lighted. I don't mm. want to see Santa with a semi-automatic uh, military assault style uh, style weapon. I mean, that's not why I do Christmas, and it's certainly not how I think of Santa Claus. And I'm going, man, somebody, I don't know what they were on <laughs> to come up with the concept and the premise of a movie like that. If people have seen it and like it, okay, God bless. But it's not something on which I would waste my money. I think there's another movie called Silent Night. Uh, that's also violent. And then just Bad Santa, who's Santa Claus uh, yeah. drinking. And some pretty yeah. you know, crude drunk Santa. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I, I don't care for that personally. So, you know, call me prudish, mm. if you will. But I, I don't care for any of that kind of stuff. And, mm. you know, Gary said, 
don't waste your money on making that kind of film. I mean, is is there that big an audience for that, Joey? Yeah, there is. And um, it's not wasting money at all. It's a guaranteed money maker. So I will try in 45 seconds to give your audience a peek behind the screen of how movies have been made in the past 25, 30 years. They're made by algorithms. And this started when the hedge fund guys and people like that started to come in. You know, in the old days, you had producers and they had made their money doing things, but they loved movies and they wanted to make movies. And people like Robert Evans immediately comes to mind. They loved to make movies. I think a lot of the people that fund movies anymore like to make money and money uh, and films is just another way. It's a diversification of portfolio is what it is. And I know I'm taking the shine off an industry that we all love. But what happens is we have these boxes and you have audience segment boxes and you have theme. So when you pitch a movie, I come to you guys and I want you to invest in a movie. You're very busy and you're not going to give me 10 minutes to tell you about my movie. But I'm going to say it's Die Hard, which has become an accepted Christmas movie, meets A Night Before Christmas or Santa Claus is coming to town. And you suddenly go, oh, I can make money on that. Let's talk about it. Who do we put in the lead role? Who do we get it to direct? Suddenly it's funded and it goes. Violet Knight is going to make a lot of money. It's going to make a lot of money. David Harbour is a really big star now. He does the likable action guy. If you think about Stranger Things, and that's why these movies get made. Uh, there's no sentiment. I don't think they're rebellious. Oh, we're going to mess with the genre. It's about money and it's about market share and it's about this meets that and it resonates. It was almost inevitable, right? In Scrooge, they do a makeup made up movie where Lee Majors gets break Santa out of the North Pole when he's attacked by terrorists. And I think that that seed stayed with some people for a very long time. And they said, this is the time to actually make that movie. And I think that's where that comes from. So that's wow. my proselytizing. They they will they will not have any of my dollars. Uh, no, me either. I'm going to skip because, it because I mean I don't. That does to me. That doesn't. It's not heartwarming. It's not fun. It's not mm -hmm. uplifting. I mean, it's none of that stuff. Right. And and you know, I just I don't really want to watch it. But it seems to be getting good reviews, and it's made mm -hmm. uh, almost thirty million dollars to this point. It was released to theaters on December 2. So yeah. people are finding something of value to them, or you have a lot of people watching and feeling disappointed, but apparently the critics like it. A lot of them you, anyway. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, you can't miss. And like I say, the seeds are in the, a movie from the 1980s where Lee Majors is kind of doing that kind of thing. And David Barber is that kind of steely eyed, you know, relatable hero like a Lee Majors. So I think there was, I don't think it's coincidence. I think it's linked. And then, of course, Die Hard. So somebody was going, okay, well, let's take all the debate out of it and let's just go for it. So, but I won't watch it either. I'm with you. We have um, a whole list of movies that I have never heard of. I have never <laughs> seen. And uh, I, I call them the Hallmark movies because Hallmark has those feel-good, warm movies uh, all the time. And um, but I, but some of them are Netflix, some are Hulu. They're they're all different um, people that put them on. A Castle for Christmas, Candy Coated Christmas, Almost Christmas, Happiest Season, the the Night Before, Holiday, uh, Four Christmases, The Christmas Chronicles. 
the last holiday. I mean, there's just like a whole long list. That's just part of a long list of movies. And I'm scratching my head saying I couldn't tell you who was in those or what the story was about, but they're all listed as holiday movies. And I'm assuming these are all people who are going to be happy and live happily ever after by the end of the movie. <laughs> yeah, that's the goal. So they're heartwarming, which is great. They're sort of the love boat. You know, that's what kind of keeps Hallmark going. Actors oh, yeah. who, you know, are older or not yep. quite A-list anymore. They do these. They resurrect a lot of careers. Um, they're very formulaic. So the scripts always look the same. So if you were to sit down and analyze them, certain things happen at minute 10 and certain things happen at minute 25. And they're all about the same length and they're predictable. But that's comforting for so many people. So I can't take that away from people. And every once in a while, there's a gem in all those movies. But look at the titles. You have either alliteration, right? Candy coated Christmas. Yeah, It does something to the brain alliteration. We go, oh, that sounds interesting. There's nothing to do. I'll get under my holiday blanket and I'll spend 90 minutes having my heart, you know, the cockles of my heart warmed. So I put them in a harmless category. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, they're the gingerbread cookies, <laughs> you know, of Christmas. You know, they're yeah. the fruitcakes of Christmas. And probably not destined to become really famous classics. It might be a surprise if one of them popped out and 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 was seen year after year but uh i i think of those as uh, a lot of little appetizers yes and and as you said heartwarming i mean you don't always want to be assaulted with the news sometimes you you just want to feel good for an hour you want the escape and right yeah. and so they're great 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 escape movies we're yeah. we're coming up to the end of our time uh pretty soon and i have to say again joey I was so surprised by the number of movies that are considered Christmas movies. Um, I looked at some of my favorites. Um, Joe, uh, Gary's mentioned some of his favorites, and you've talked about things you're planning on watching. And, you know, for listeners out there, there is always something to watch at holiday time. And, and I, I like the fact that, that we have those specialty movies right now. Here's a pop question for Joey. Have you, because I have not, I doubt Suzanne has, have you ever seen the movie Santa Claus Conquers the Martians? <laughs> no, and uh, sad to say I haven't even heard of that one. <laughs> it was released in 1964. There, and okay. I thought if anything would inspire Tim Burton, it would be that movie. Yeah. How else I, do you get Mars Attacks? <laughs> yeah, it's a, it sounds very um, Tim Burton-y, yeah. Very well, Doctor who A precursor, that's right. Yeah. So much fun today. One of the fastest hours we've had on radio. It's wonderful that you joined us today to talk about movies, Joey. Thank you. Thank you. You're well, welcome. We'll, next Merry Christmas. Uh, happy holidays, everyone. Happy holidays and to you, too. And I don't mind to, saying Merry Christmas. To you and Tanya, Merry Christmas. Yep. Happy New Year. Happy anniversary. That's Thank you, my friends. Happy anniversary. Thank you. All we right. will be back. We got a show for you next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific. Saturday, we're going to Chicago. Bottom line is you're going to hear some wonderful replays and guest hosts. Give them your support. Give them your ear. Give them a listen and give them our best. Thank you so much, everyone. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year's. Happy Holidays. 